Hey, welcome back to Dear Baseball Gods. This is episode 48, and we're hanging in there trying to get these out each week. It's uh, It's been tough with my schedule and and my business partner Lucas's schedule with our baseball schedule, all that stuff. We just get kind of upended every uh, every summer where we don't have the mornings to, to get a lot of our other endeavors done. But this week, um, I had a, a conversation recently with a parent, and I kind of wanted to elaborate on it. And it was on the topic of burnout, and it was on the the question of how much is, is too much and, and when uh, does a parent need to sort of back off or when do they need to just let them do their thing or how much, again, like how many days a week of a sport or how many sports is too much. Um, and obviously, I don't have any kids, so I don't have the firsthand parent perspective on this, but I do have the perspective as an athlete who's played a long time and I see a lot of kids come and go in our facility. I see a lot of parents. I see a lot of different parenting styles. Um, I can kind of get a pretty good sense of commitment levels from different kids. And I think commitment level is a sometimes a misused term, but you know, a lot of kids are committed to sports and they that's like their thing that they do, but at the same time, like deep down, it's maybe not as much their passion as, as others. And I'd say that on a whole, maybe 5% or less are athletes who have like a really, really deep burning desire to be great at a sport, whether it's, you know, volleyball, basketball, football, baseball, doesn't really matter, but it just doesn't seem like the vast majority a, know what it takes to really get far in a sport, and B, uh, are willing to put in the time and make sort of the sacrifices that are necessary. And one of the things I want to talk about in this episode is the idea of balance. So there's a speaker that I watch some of his videos once in a while, and I, I personally, I think, will transition to speaking mostly full-time at some point in my life. Uh, it's something I'm passionate about. I did it a bunch this past year, and every time I do it, I feel like when I'm done, I have this sense that that's like my thing. It's like a thing that I need to be doing, uh, and that's exciting. But so I, I've listened to a lot of different speakers, and one guy, and I I couldn't tell you his name at the moment, but he was a former NFL player, and his big thing is greatness. And it's not this guy who wrote the book School of Greatness, uh, who I do not like. But this guy is, uh, he he really talks about, because he wanted to be the best cornerback, I think, in the NFL. At some point, he was, he was rated as that, maybe in like the 80s when he played. After that, he wrote a play, uh, and he said he wanted to have like the best rated Broadway show in the world or something like that. And at some point, his little show, I think, was that. Um but anyway, so he like he really understood that his goals were never to be good at something. They were never to be, you know, just in the NFL. He always wanted to be the best in the NFL or be the best on Broadway or whatever it was. And as he transitioned at each different phase in his career, that that like knowledge of how to get there and what to do and what kind of uh, dedication it took never really changed. And there was a little interview with him and his wife. And, uh, I didn't like the interview particularly. I didn't like like the attitude they both had about it. It was, it was kind of a, I don't know, it was just this, this weird arrogance, but 
what they said, I think was pretty accurate, which they both just like, we don't have balance in our life. Like we don't like we're doing all these different things and neither of us in our business endeavors. Cause I guess she's some sort of entrepreneur as well. I don't know anything about her, but, uh, they're like, there, there just isn't like people talk about balance all the time. And for us with our goals, as lofty as they are, uh, there just, there just isn't. And you can make a choice between reaching extremely lofty goals or having balance. And so the question of what balance actually is, I think is ambiguous. I think it's really, I think it depends on the person. I think it depends how you define it, but I'll give you another example. I, I should have had the paper with me, but I gave a talk to a local college, just a little classroom, like 20 athletes, maybe three, four months ago. And, uh, not knowing exactly, cause it was like a mixed bag of different sports. You know, there's some soccer players, some basketball players, baseball players, softball players, not really knowing what I would want to impart on them. Uh, I kind of just talked about my journey through sports and what I thought it took to be really great at something. That was the topic. And one of the things I touched on was that, uh, you and your goals, they come first before everything else. And I know a lot of people talk about family comes first and this other thing comes first and school comes first. All those things are true in their own sense. Obviously, if anything happens with any of my loved ones, I'll rush over and be there as quick as I can. Uh, obviously, I still got good grades as a college athlete. I, I had a 3.6 in my major which was philosophy and I had an overall 3.25 or 2.7 or something, something like that in college. So I, I still handled my obligations. So it was never that because school does not come first for me that I blew it off. Cause some people interpret things like that too, but I never cared about school, never cared about it. Um, obviously I cared <laughs> extremely deeply about my family, so I'm not going there. Uh, but at the end of the day, my goals in baseball, I, from when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a major leaguer. And, you know, ironically enough, after I thought about the way that speaker, and I still can't remember his name, the way he talked about wanting to be the best cornerback in the NFL, it's not just like be in the NFL. And I, I, I looked back and I questioned, I'm like, did I just want to be like, good like would I have been satisfied just being the and I know as I got older like I didn't want to just be in the major leagues I didn't just want to be like an average player like that would have never been okay um and I believed I could really be great in the major leagues but neither here nor there so anyway um I gave this talk to this college and one of the things I told them towards the end is that look you know a lot of you can be good you can be good junior college players, you can be good division one players, you can be good professional players. Um, but you have to understand that if you really want to be great, whatever that means to you, if you really want to absolutely like maximize your potential, you are the only thing that comes first. Like your family doesn't come first, your school doesn't come first, other people and the, the, the tug that they'll have on you for whatever it is, whether it's relationships, like a girlfriend, whatever, those don't come first either. Like everything else comes last after you get everything that you need to do mentally and physically to get where you want to go. And I, I got the comments, uh, from the professor, I guess he asked him to do a report about it. 
and each kid had to like write what they thought of my talk and um most of it was very positive like they thought they learned some stuff whatever but there were a handful that took issue one, one of them was just like I don't like I didn't like him from the beginning he had this cocky arrogance that I just didn't like and I'm like well I was an athlete my whole life like deal with it sorry uh but B another kid wrote like I just got really turned off when he said family doesn't come first like blah 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 um you know like family is everything family's number one and so it's this weird thing where um you have to understand what it means when family comes first and when family doesn't. So if you take the story of Levon Hernandez and his brother, um, El Duque, I can't remember, uh, Orlando Hernandez, they had, there was a really fascinating 60 for 60 story where they talked about the two Hernandez brothers. And if you don't remember Levon, if you're young, Levon Hernandez uh, won a World Series with the Marlins and he was a very successful major leaguer. I think he pitched like 15 seasons. And he was like, his, the thing I remember the most about him was that he had impeccable command and also this big loopy kind of curveball. Um, but Levon was from Cuba and he was faced with a choice. He was a very successful young pitcher in the, in the Cuban baseball league. And like many others, like Aroldis Chapman, all these guys, um, he wanted more. And he knew that when you defect from Cuba to go to the United States to try to play Major League Baseball, that's it. You'll never see your family again. And to say that he didn't love his family as much as the next guy or didn't wrestle that decision, he wrestled with that decision for a long time. And then he made his choice, which was to defect to the United States. And he knew when he got on that boat, when he got smuggled away by the people that do that, that help people defect, he knew that... He was leaving his family possibly behind for forever. Like he might never see them again. And that was a choice that a person made because he wanted greatness for himself. That was what he wanted. Is that a selfish decision? Yeah. Um, does that mean he didn't love his family? No, but it shows the order of priorities for him as a person who was pursuing greatness above all else. And I'm not saying that's the right decision or the wrong decision. It's just a decision that a certain subset of human beings will make. Most people will not make that decision. Um, his brother or, or his cousin, Orlando, who El Duque, he was the Yankees pitcher. He had a lower arm slot. He was, I, I, I loved watching both of those guys pitch, especially El Duque. He was like a, and he only played maybe five or six years in the major because he was older because he didn't defect. And he, I think he tried and failed and uh, he really wrestled with the fact that he would never see his wife and his, his like two daughters, I think, again. And so he just like couldn't pull the trigger until he finally did later on. And both of them, as a happy ending of the story, did get reunited with their families. Um, they were allowed to come to the United States later on, probably only because of the fame that they found in the United States and the, and the fact that people like kind of knew about their story. But so to say that, that those guys didn't love their family... Uh, I think would be very misguided, very in incorrect. Um, but sometimes you just make decisions like that because of what you want for your life. And I knew that any of those decisions that I would have to make, like, and I think my family knew that I was going to pursue baseball no matter, no matter what. And uh, if I had a choice like that where I had to leave 
and go to some other country for a year and I couldn't communicate well with my family consistently, I would have done it. Um, I would have done pretty much anything to like further my career and to get those experiences that I wanted out of baseball. Girlfriends knew the deal. Um, I was not able to keep many relationships just because of all the travel and the fact that I was so hyper-focused on reaching my long-term goals. So my point in this is not that family is not important because that's family is incredibly important. I love my family to death. That's not the moral of the story, but it's a weird situation where you have to make choices above everyone else, including the people who are most important in your life. So people that want to be great at something and most people don't, they think they do, but they don't, they have to make sacrifices and those sacrifices rear their head at some point. But um, a lot of times it's time and more often and more often than this family thing, it's, it's time, you know, it's time, it's putting in the effort, it's balancing your schedule. It's, uh, it's being physically and mentally worn out at the end of the night, every night for five, 10, 20 years. So the question of what does it take to really, really be great and why do people get burned out and how do we prevent burnout kind of comes back to me to your intrinsic motivation. So if you have intrinsic motivation, that just means that you're motivated from within. If you have extrinsic motivation, that means someone else or some other force is pushing you to do a certain thing. So for me, as an athlete, when I played, I always had this tremendous intrinsic motivation. No one else wanted, told me to play baseball. My parents were very hands-off. They supported me. They never pushed me. They never criticized me. They never told me I should be doing this or should be doing that ever. Like, not ever. So my desire to play baseball or not was completely and utterly on me. And I think that was that number one is a very valuable thing. When other people, and I've seen this with const, just so many different teammates and with young athletes that I work with, when there's someone else who's, who's like got the reins of their little, what do you call them? I don't know what their, their, their sports career carriage, when they're not taking the reins themselves, when someone else is saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to wake up earlier and get this done. You need to go here. Why aren't you doing your training or why aren't you doing whatever? Uh, I think that is a, is a avenue to burnout. Because I think when players have, when, again, it doesn't matter what the sport is, when you have a burning desire from within to reach a certain level or to be a certain person at some point. If it's because you want it, you'll do whatever you need to do to do that. And that might be a lot. That might be a little. It depends on the person. Some people will leave absolutely no stone unturned to reach their goals. And I'm sure we've all heard those stories about people and, you know, celebrities who are famous who you think, oh, they just got there because they're so, you know, pretty or smart or great at acting. Like, no, they probably got there through sheer force of will, in addition to have some of the tools that they needed to, you know, to succeed. But so many people just who achieve lofty goals only get there because they refuse to go home and watch TV after they get home from work. You know, a lot of these people, they have a nine to five job and they're looking to start another business. And when they get home at 5 p.m., they're working until midnight every night. And again, is that a thing that's fair to their family if they have one to their wife and their child or whatever. No, but again, that's like a decision that they make. You know, I had an ex-girlfriend and she, uh, 
this was actually, she was the reason that I moved back to Bloomington Normal. She's the reason I live in the Midwest, that my whole academy, that everything here <laughs> exists. She was the catalyst. We got along really well. I moved back here to try it out with her and see if our relationship could work. And when I came back, we moved in together because that was just sort of the circumstance. I didn't have anything out here for me and I quickly got a job and my business started to start rolling. Um, quickly after that, she said that I should quit all that stuff and that I should get a nine to five. So I'd be home with her and that, uh, you know, we could have this sort of standard domestic life. And I said, no, absolutely not. Like that's not who you, that's not who I told you I was. That's not who I am now. And that's not who I will ever be. And so it was, again, this situation where she was trying to steer my life in a certain direction. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter how much I loved this person. I would have never, ever done what she asked me to do. Never, not ever. So it's just a situation where we have to be in control of our own destiny. And I think when athletes get burned out or in just in general, no matter what you're doing in life, that is, you know, your goals that you're pursuing. I think we get burned out when there's too many extrinsic forces pushing us to either do it in general, when we have other things that we want to do. And maybe that's just like, I want to lay in bed a little bit more. Maybe this is, I have too many things on my plate and I want to do a little more of this. I want to be able to socialize. I want to go, you know, uh, take more vacations and little weekend trips. You know, you know, a lot of college athletes drop out either in their first year or often like their third or fourth year because they realize how much other stuff that they miss. They don't get to go to concerts. They don't get to do all the, the things that their friends do and go to parties and, and go on trips and study abroad and do all this other stuff that's cool like normal person stuff. You sacrifice all of that as, an, as a college athlete, even as a college, as like a lazy college athlete. Even as a college athlete doesn't put in any extra work, who just shows up to practice, who just shows up to lifting, who just shows up to every game. Uh, you still miss out on all that stuff. And for those kids like that, who I really love my college sport, for example, and I'm happy to be on the basketball team or the football team, and I, I give my effort at practice, and I give my effort at games, and I'm proud to be part of the team, but uh, you know, maybe I don't see myself playing professionally, or maybe I don't see, uh, I don't know, maybe football just isn't like who I am, and that's fine. Um, then I think the avenue for why am I giving all of my self and all of my life to this when it isn't everything that I want. I do want to go to concerts on the weekend. I do want to travel. I want to do all this other stuff. I want to have the normal college experience. And then suddenly when you're pulled in different directions and your motivations change, burnout starts to set in. You're like, God, why am I in the gym again? And this is sort of how I ran into burnout in the end of my career. So for me, there was always like a path that I saw for myself that I could follow. That's like, I need to do this. I'd kind of like audit myself regularly. And it was a, a situation where, okay, I, I can, I can do this for this part of my body stronger. Maybe I'll get some performance gains out of it. If I get a little more flexible, if I run a little bit more, if I do this, I do that or whatever. And I, there was this constant betterment of myself up until maybe 26 or 27. And at maybe 26 or 27, I was physically pretty much what I needed to be. Uh, and I knew that I was really mostly going to get better as a pitcher and hopefully reach my goals from mental and strategic 
my baseball IQ kind of stuff. So I threw 90 to 94 when I was 24. I threw that same velocity when I was 31. It wasn't, it wasn't physical stuff anymore. I had the tools to make it if I wanted to make it. I had the tools to make it if someone would give me a chance and I had made good on the chances that I got. So when I started plateauing as a physical human, you know, I was six foot, 195, 200 pounds, as strong as I possibly needed to be. Like you, don't need, you only need to squat a certain amount of weight and have a certain amount of muscle to throw baseball effectively. When I kind of get, when I kind of hit that point, every winter I'd come back and I go, okay, well, I just need to sort of restore my strength and sort of restore my shoulder. I just need to restore myself to that set point that I've, that I've over years built for myself. It took me a long time to get to that point, but now that I'm here, I know what I need to be able to do to enter next season, ready to go and pitch as well as I can. And so that to me became a very difficult thing where it was hard to wrestle with. I don't need to push myself as hard in the gym anymore because uh, incremental gains in my lifts. If I get my squat from 425 to 445, does anything happen on the field for me? No. If I increase my deadlift from 400 to 500, does anything happen on the field? No. So that at that point, lifting became a secondary focus, something that I didn't care nearly as much about because it didn't have that much of an effect on me anymore. It was just something I had to get done, just take that pill every day, do enough, and then I can focus on other things. And so because my focus shifted to other things, um, that became more of a bother and a nuisance than other stuff. It became this thing I had to do rather than a thing that I was really driven to do because I could see tangible gains come from it. So now, because I knew there were no tangible gains, if I like got a little bit stronger and did a little bit better in the gym, or if I even like took some time off and got a little bit weaker, um, there was like no appreciable performance fluctuation at all. So it became this thing like, I just need to do enough of it and I don't need to do too much of it. And if, uh, and it's just like, I'd done it for so many years when you're not motivated to really hit it hard because there's a clear gain from it, it becomes a question of like, why am I doing it almost? So for me, I started to get burned out of lifting because I knew that I had to do it, but I wasn't going to get much from it. That was sort of a problem for me. And, uh, same thing with arm care, doing your little boring shoulder exercises that I did for all the years when I was rehabbing, you know, all this boring stuff. Uh, I got to the point where I just had to maintain most of it. And that was mentally hard for me because it, this, it was the same exact thing. It's like, God, I got to do my shoulder stuff again today. If I don't do it for this week, I won't see any like performance, you know, detriment, but I have to do it. So let's do it. And, uh, it just like sucks the passion out of it. Where when I was younger, I sort of fed off all the shoulder care and forearm stuff that I did because I could see my velocity slowly creep up over time with it. And I could feel my arm feel better. And I would like stay on the field a little longer because I always had injury problems. So for that, that stuff, there was a, there was a strong internal motivation, intrinsic motivation to do that boring, tedious stuff, to get my workouts in every day, to run almost every day, to have these grueling sprint workouts that my coach would just 
create that were just like demonic. Sometimes I was talking about this the other day, how he would, he would have us do, he would program workouts in the summer that were like six to eight, 400 meter sprints with three minutes rest. I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. I'm not, why am I doing this? But so for me, as, as clear benefits waned, burnout quickly increased because I just didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to do other stuff, but I still had to do it. And I think that kind of boils down into what happens with young athletes. So say they have two sports that they really like and one sport that they don't, but they kind of feel like they have to play that third sport. Burnout's going to come in. Or say that they've been playing one sport their whole life and they're like getting up the mountain and now they've been pushed you know, by themselves because they love it, but also by their parents or by their coach or by expectations from everyone that they've been doing this so long that they've got to see it through and get that college scholarship. And maybe they don't really want it as much anymore. Maybe they're just like, I'm just, I don't know, I'm starting to figure out who I am. And here we are. And other people expect me to play Division One softball and they expect me to play, you know, Division Two basketball and they expect me to, to be great. And I've got, I'm like kind of starting to peter out and I've got four more years of it to go. And a lot of those kids seem to quit in that first year in college or a couple years later because they fight it, but they just can't because that's not what they really want deep down. And so when parents ask me about burnout, because we have a couple, like there's, there's one, uh, who I haven't seen in a long time, but it's from back in the day, he would bring his kid in and he would, almost every time pull me aside and be like, Hey, just let me know if, if you feel like, you know, this is too much. If he's doing too many lessons and it wasn't really that many lessons. It was like maybe like one a week, maybe, um, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll back off and I just don't want to burn him out. And I was like, okay, like good, good thing to know, like good motivation. Thank you. Uh, and then I hear from another parent, they're like, Oh, he said that to you. Oh, he's like the craziest parent I know. he like runs his kid around they're like hitting in the cage like every day they're like hitting in the basement they're doing like if anyone's gonna burn him out it's him i'm like oh okay so he's just like projecting something on me um so it's i think at the end of the day if you just let a person lead themselves if they just lead themselves they're not getting grief if they do or don't do something they're not seeing you know like this intense pride from their mother or their father or their grandfather that, you know, like I, I know if I had, my parents had been utterly heartbroken that I quit baseball, it would have been harder for me to quit it if I wanted to quit it. And I'd feel like this pressure that I had to keep going because they got so much joy out of it. My parents got a ton of joy out of watching me play baseball, but I quit whenever I wanted. And, uh, there was never anything like that. And I've known a lot of players who, have played like a second sport or sometimes their first sport. And they're like, yeah, I don't really love it anymore, but it would just like crush my dad if I quit. And that is where people get burned out because they're doing something that they're not passionate about inside. And so when parents say like, I don't know how much is too much for my kid to do. I think the only possible answer, cause there's no answer for some kids. They're in our facility all the freaking time. Like they're just constantly in there and they're happy. They're always happy when they're there. Some kids are like that. They could be in our facility 10 hours a week and no one's forcing them to be there. And they're just happy as a clam that they get to swing their bat and lift weights. And it's super hot in our facility, but they're just sweating and they're just having a good time. 
And that's a kid who's got high in, intrinsic motivation who's not getting outside pressure to play. He's just there because he wants to do it. And his parents say, hey, if you want to go here, go. And they go. And that was the kind of kid I was. And that was the kind of parents I had. And I was really lucky about that. And I didn't have much of a work ethic in high school. I look, you know, there wasn't like going to do strength training wasn't a thing. Pitching lessons weren't really a thing at my, at my age back then. But I would always go play baseball outside with my friends in the backyard. I would have my dad hit me fly balls. I would hit fly balls to my buddy, and then he would hit fly balls to me. I would pitch with whoever would catch me in the backyard. Like, I just always wanted to do that. And then when it got into the hard work phase in college, where there were all these new things like shoulder care and running and sprinting and uh, strength training and long practices and, you know, like much more demanding practices, I was still fine doing it, even though I hate practice. Like, I have hated baseball practice for a long time. I never like questioned or, or dreaded going because I just wanted to do it. And, and like being good at baseball was fun and being baseball was good at baseball was fun because it was fun for me, not anyone else. And so if someone says like, how much is the right amount for my son or my daughter to do before they get burned out? There is no answer. It's not two days a week. It's not five hours a week. It's not, it's just about the kid. And if the parents aren't pushing them to do it, if it's not them, and if the parents aren't giving them grief because they're not doing enough or they're not working hard enough, um, people, you know, people say this all the time. They say it in jobs. They say it in marriages. They say it everywhere. Like people don't change, you know, so don't expect people to change. Um, people, when they're pushed, they're not going to change. So if you are constantly on someone to work harder, like to do more stuff, they're not going to do it. They might do it for a little bit, but as soon as you let off the pressure, they're just going to back back off. That's just how it is. They have to be motivated for themselves. There has to be some catalyst, some spark that gets them to want to do it themselves. And so you try to give people the tools to do it themselves. And you know that a certain percentage of them won't and a certain percentage of them will. And the percentage that will they're going to flourish and they're going to run with it and they're going to figure out how much more they can do and what else they can do and how they can figure it all out themselves. And they're going to put the pieces fit. That was how I was. I didn't have like much of a work ethic until college. And then I was like, Oh, I'm not really that good. I didn't get, a, I didn't get a scholarship and I'm basically the worst pitcher on the team. So I'm going to do some stuff to fix that. Like I liked being good at baseball and now I'm not relatively very good for this level. Um, I don't like that. I'm going to fix that. And that was how it happened. And coaches there was a certain amount I had to do for practice. Like they said, go run this amount. I ran that amount. Here's lifting, be there, work hard. I did that. But then for me, that wasn't enough. Cause I wanted, I wanted faster results. I wanted to get better faster. I didn't want to be the number nine pitcher anymore. So I did more and more and more and more and more. And I had an intense routine as a college player and I didn't care about all the other stuff. I didn't care about parties. I didn't drink. I didn't care about any of that stuff because that was like a distant second to my personal goals in baseball. And, uh, I had a girlfriend in college, but she knew too, that like baseball was my number one. And she wrestled with that a lot. She would occasionally remark that, you know, I wish I was number one in your life. And I'm like, <laughs> so, I mean, like I didn't have it. I never really had an answer. Um, like, yeah, sorry. But, um, that was just sort of the way it went. And so there are some kids that I work with 
when I look at them, I know that if you offer them, hey, you can do, here's a, here's a coach who will do sprint workouts with you as much as you want. Here's a coach that will do strength training with you as much as you want. Here's a coach that will hit you ground balls. They would take you up on it and they would do it as much as they possibly could. And there are other kids who would say, who would do a little bit of it. And there's other kids that wouldn't do any of it. And that's okay. Everyone's different. And you can't change the kids that do and the kids that don't. And uh, I say the word kids all the time. And I need to have a different terminology. But it's just people in general. So whether they're 10 or whether they're 18, they're still going to have a different amount that they want to do for themselves. And you're not really going to change that. There's people who are super hard workers and there's people who are not. And most people are still on the bell curve. They're still average. Most people are still average. And most people don't want to be great. And most people wouldn't make the sacrifices that Levon Hernandez made to go for some unknown thing. You know, he could have gone to America and done terribly and not been famous and still lost everything and never been able to go back to Cuba. Because whether he succeeded or failed, he, he was basically never going to be allowed back. Or they were going to imprison his family. So uh, if you haven't checked out that, that, I think that was a 60 for 60 this was a really good episode. I highly recommend you check it out if you can find it. Um, but in general, this whole conversation is just about priorities. And it's not to say that you don't care about your family or you don't care about your friends. Um, but there's just a certain amount of things that you miss in life when you devote enough of your time to something. You know, there are families that move to be closer to like a gymnastics tra- training center. You know, you have to be so fully committed to be a future Olympic gymnast or figure skater or uh, skier, just like the people that do those sports are all in. They don't do basketball. They don't do football. Um, of course, I don't know that many figure skaters would do those sports anyway, but you know, they, uh, they're all in. So if you want to compete with them, you have to be all in too. And uh, it's not to say that you have to quit your sport. It's not to say that you can't be a multi-sport athlete. Um, and that's probably another topic for another day, but people love to point out that multi-sport athletes, you know, like Aaron judge, like, Oh, Aaron judge, see, don't quit your sports kids. There's just not everyone's Aaron judge. Number one, he's a physical anomaly and B he was good enough to be like starting quarterback, uh, throw 90 plus on the mound, hit, hit bombs and be like an all star basketball player in, in high school. Like, congratulations, but how many people do you know who are like that? And for the people who are very mediocre, who might be able to go play college sports in one sport if they devote enough time to it, those kids are probably not the best candidates to do multiple sports. And in a lot of places in the country, if you're in a bigger metro area, that choice is going to be made for you. You're not going to make three teams. You're not going to make two teams. You know, if you're in a, a big city with a big school, there's going to be too many good athletes for you to play three sports in, in all likelihood, unless you are like an Aaron judge, three division one sport kind of guy. So does that mean that if you're in a small town, you can play three sports, you should quit them? No, but, uh, there's also just always a risk and reward playing a season of basketball. Doesn't mean you're going to be better at baseball because of it. Playing a season of baseball doesn't mean you're going to be a better basketball player because of it. They, uh, people think, you know, like the general athleticism is definitely beneficial to you to a point, you know, and I think usually that points somewhere around high school, but obviously for becoming a better athlete, like better athletes become better 
insert sport, right? Better athletes become better baseball players, better athletes become better basketball players. Uh, but at a certain point when you need technical skill, you know, that stuff stops working because playing basketball all winter won't improve your swing. If you have major swing flaws that need to be fixed over the course of a winter, or they won't improve your, your pitching mechanics, or they won't teach you a change up, you know, they won't do those things for you. So for some of the kids that will play basketball all winter and show up on February 1st, like ready to get ready for the season. It's like, I can't change your pitching mechanics in a month, dude, or we can't teach you how to not suck at the plate in a month. And I can't teach you a good slider. I can teach you a kind of crappy slider in a month, maybe like in six months, it'll be good. And that's where some of those kids fall short is because they can't, they can't develop the high level skill, especially in pitching where you might have a great arm, but can you throw a changeup? Can you locate? Can you repeat? Um, do you learn how to hold, hold runners and, and control the game? Can you develop a college quality breaking ball? That kind of stuff. Those are the things that take a lot of repetition and time that if you devote it a whole winter to it, you can get there. If you devote a month before the season, you can't. So again, those are all just trade-offs. It's not to say that you should quit your sports or you should, you know, specialize early. I think there's pros and cons of both. And I think when you hear about kids getting burned out, specializing early, it's probably because they're missing out on other things because some other force is pushing them to do that. I specialized early in baseball. I know some other kids who only do one sport and they're happy and that's completely fine. But you'll also hear stories of kids who are not, who they just wish they could do other stuff that their friends do. They could do, they wish they could have other normal life things because you do, you're gone all weekend playing your sport in the summer if you're a baseball or softball player. And if you don't really love it, it gets to be a pretty big drag. You know, it's not just a grind, it becomes a drag. So if we kind of go back as I kind of circle around here to what will burn a kid out, I think it's too many external pressures forcing him to do things that he doesn't want to do, he or she. So whether that's parents uh, putting more on their plate or parents giving them grief if they don't perform well or if they don't uh, do enough, they think, hey, like, why are you sitting here playing Fortnite? You know, you should be out hitting. Look, that's a valid, that's valid. But if they want to play Fortnite instead of going out and hitting in the cage, then let them do it. Because if you force them off that couch and they go hit, now they sort of resent hitting that night that builds up over time and then they get burned out and then they quit. So as much as I think it's probably tough for parents to watch kids sit by and make the lazy choice or make the average kid's choice, you can't force somebody to have a great work ethic. You can give them a spark at some point. For me, the spark came when I got a chance to play in college, when my coach said, you can have a spot on our team, but you're not very good and you're probably not going to play unless you get a lot better. That was, that was the moment for me. Uh, if someone had told me earlier, like, hey, you're not going to be that good. You better, like, I wouldn't have believed them. Like, I thought I was pretty good. I had a good arm. Um, I threw really hard as a, as a high school freshman, but that wouldn't have done it. That moment did it for me. So I think it's just about finding the balance and letting them take the reins and giving them an opportunity to see what's out there to like, hey, you know, would you want to get a net so you can hit in the backyard? And maybe if they have that, they start to go out there. Maybe they have a nice little stereo or they have something where they're like, this is a cool little space that I like this. I'm going to do this more and I'm going to play Fortnite less. 
you know, that's still their choice because you gave them the tools to do it. Or you get them a membership at a sports performance place, or you, 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 you sign them up for something, or you take them somewhere to see if they want to sign up for something. And if they do it, they need to do it on their own. And if they do it on their own, then they'll figure out what workload they want. But we have kids that want to be in our facility like every day and they wouldn't get burned out by, and I can tell they wouldn't get burned out by. We've had kids that have been in our facility for five straight years, very consistently 12 months out of the year, and they're not burned out by it. Uh, Because when you're doing something that's coming from within that you're passionate about, then you're fine. Like I was never, I never questioned putting in the work that I put in, like just grinding it out for five years in college, going through surgery and rehab and you know, running on off days and doing all this stuff. Like I never questioned it and I never felt burned out by it, not for like one minute. Uh, it wasn't until the very end of my career when some of those things didn't pay off as much as they used to. That's when I started to feel it. And then when I was finally so banged up where throwing a baseball hurt every throw that I made and baseball became just this unpleasant thing, that was when I finally knew that it was A, I just couldn't play anymore, but B, like mentally, I was, I was also ready, I think, to stop. So, but I would have never made that choice prior to that. There was always, even when I got hurt, my two surgeries, I was still like, there are better days for me. And I can put in the work and I can find a way to get those better days. And that was what I did. So, you know, the question of what's too much and who is the right person to, you know, take control of a person's career, it's, it's, it's the operator himself. So if you're a parent and you kind of get on your kid about being lazy, I don't know that not being on them is the way to go, but, uh, because obviously people need to be shown the way and like have some discipline and all that stuff. But if it's clear that, and I think everyone has a sense of it, if it's clear that they're not going to continue to do this, if, unless you push them, it's probably not worth pushing them. You know, I, I know, pretty early on when new athletes come in through our doors, I have a pretty good sense of whether they're going to keep coming long-term or not, or if they're going to be one of the two or three month people who come for a couple months and we don't see them again. I have a pretty good, pretty good idea once they get their feet wet of whether it's becoming like their thing that they're passionate about, or if they're just sort of walking through the door because they're expected to, or they, maybe they want to, maybe their friends do. So they're tagging along or whatever it is. So I think that's pretty much all I've got for the moment, but, you know, burnout and trying not to burn out and, and sap a young athlete's love of the game. I think it can be complex. I think it can be tough. And I also just think it's a, it's a well-intentioned thing to not want to do that to someone you want to maintain, you want to preserve this love that they have for whatever sport they play or whatever it is that they do. I mean, I'm doing a lot of web entrepreneur stuff that is like honestly running running me ragged and even that even when I'm I like wake up and like my to-do list is so big that I like don't even want to know where to start and like I don't even want to get out of bed because I don't know what to do about it um I still believe in what I'm doing and I'm still passionate about it so I'll find a way and I like start to chip away at it and I like keep getting through it and even when my efforts fail, which they're continue, continuing to fail as I launch new products and whatnot, uh, I still know that there's a solution and then there's a way to get them to succeed and there's a way to get them into the hands of the right people and to help people through the stuff that I'm doing, the products and videos that I'm making. So 
like I still feel it even as a non-athlete now where again it's easy to say like I get up at 6 30 and I'm on my laptop and then I'm working with athletes then I'm going to baseball practice then I'm coming home and I'm worn out but I still need to put in three hours from you know 8 30 to, to 11 30 before I go to bed to like keep my website growing and all this other stuff and um I get worn out by it. I'm physically worn out right now. I'm like kind of sleepy, but, uh, I, I'm not burned out by it because I believe in it and it's for me and it's for others. And you know, that's where we're at. So when, uh, when it becomes something that I have to do for somebody else, when it's, you know, when I'm an employee of someone else, which I never have been, it's, uh, it's a different story. So if this was the life I was living you know, right now doing web design for somebody else or creating products for someone else or being an employee working this schedule, I would for sure push back and I'd be looking for an exit absolutely right, like right now. But because it's for myself, because I believe in what I'm doing, I can keep going and I will continue to keep going and things will figure themselves out as they have been. So I think that's all I got. So uh, this was again, episode 48, getting close to to big 50 and, uh, hopefully I can get on a little more consistent schedule, but be sure to, uh, check me out on YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. I try to post on all of them, but Instagram has been pretty, pretty stagnant. Uh, Facebook, a lot of my old articles go on there and videos. And again, that's just part of the struggle that I'm currently in the struggle that I sort of just talked about of burnout and, trying to get everything done and how much can I do and how much am I willing to do? Uh, because I want to have like all of it done and do all of it really well and reach people in every little nook and cranny, uh, of social media and the web, but I'm I'm still falling short. So bear with me, but follow me and, uh, I'll hopefully I'll see you back here next week on dear baseball gods.